We've been here in church uh, doing a series on questions. You know, I think we learn so much from questions that are asked. That's how we discover things. And sometimes I think we wrestle with wanting to ask God questions. There's things that we wonder. There's things that we're unsure of and we want to ask Him and we don't know. Maybe we ask Him and we don't hear or whatever else. Well, I feel like through the Gospels we've been given some questions. People who ask Jesus questions. They looked at Him and they asked Him questions. And fortunately, we have His answers to a lot of those questions. We can see how He responded to the questions that that came up. We can see how he responded to the questions that, that arose. We looked at questions like, why are you teaching in these parables? They don't make a whole lot of sense right now. Why are you teaching this way? People looked at him and said, you know, don't you care, Jesus? The, the, the boat was in a storm and they thought it was going to go down. And they said, don't you care? We, we looked at last week in the Passover celebration uh, how there was all this excitement. Remember, last week was was Palm Sunday, and Jesus rode into town on the on the foal or the the colt, and and there's these these people shouting praises, Hosanna, and, and the Pharisees looked at Jesus and said, "Man, can't you settle these guys down? Like, get them under control." And we looked at that question of how did Jesus respond to their being out of control, ultimately saying that the the stones would cry out if they don't, and looked at how we are called to be living stones. And that we are called to cry out the good things that God has done. Those are the kind of questions we've been looking at. And I figured it only appropriate that we continue that. And so I want to start in Scripture today. And I want to look at this this Easter uh, story. The, the story that would have been read on Friday. The story of the crucifixion of, of Jesus Christ. And, and there's a question that comes up that I believe is, is, is important. It's essential. It's imperative for us to... To investigate. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 23. Uh, I'm going to start in verse uh, 32. If you turn there, if you turn there, if you're looking, it's already on the screen behind me, so you don't have much to turn. Uh, Father, I pray your presence continued in this service. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for the promise that you inhabit the praises of your people. I thank you for the promise that when we gather together, that you are here with us. And I pray you continue in the word. God, I ask your anointing upon the word. I pray that you would anoint our hearts, our ears, our minds to receive the very words that you have. God, I submit myself unto you, asking that you would speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Luke chapter 23, and I'm going to start in verse 32. Two other men, both criminals, were also let out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, there they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Verse 34, Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. Verse 35, the people stood and watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others, let him save himself, if he's the Christ of God, the chosen one. The soldiers came up and they mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar. They said, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above them which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. The question I want to look at this morning, the question that comes up on the cross, aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. 
And I know that probably was more of a rhetorical type question. I don't think they were expecting an answer. But the question that, that I want to look at from the Easter story is, is this criminal? Or we could even look at uh, the, the comments that the, 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 the soldiers or the crowd was making at Jesus Christ as he's, as he's going through this passion experience. Aren't you the Christ? Aren't you the Christ? The others, the soldiers, they mock him. Uh, we can look in the book of Mark, kind of just a little bit about that. Mark chapter 15, those who passed by, they hurled insults him. They shook their heads saying, So you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, chief priests, teachers of the law, mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, the King of Israel, come down from the cross that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified heaped insults on him also. This, this picture of this moment of, of everyone crying out to Christ, Hey, why don't you just come down off the cross? Save yourself. I mean, if you're the king of the Jews, just come down. If you're the Christ, just, just come off. If you're the Messiah, do something. Why are you still on the cross? I mean, if you're who you we'll believe you if you just like, boom, come off the cross. We'll believe your story. We'll receive the message you've been preaching for the last three years. If you just come off the cross. And the question they're asking doesn't necessarily get answered. It does get answered ultimately, and we'll get to that, but, but we don't see red words in my Bible where it's got red words for Jesus responding specifically to this question. So the question, why not? Why doesn't he come off the cross? If you recall, he has the power to do this, right? He could. Look in, at the temptation of Jesus. Remember this? Before his ministry started, he had fasted for, for about 40 days and, and he was drawn out by the Spirit of God into the wilderness. And while he was there, Scripture says that Satan tempted him. And he tempts him with the rocks and he says, if you're hungry, make them, make them bread. And he said, man doesn't live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And, and, and then he, he takes him up. On the pinnacle, and he says, uh, well, I'll just read that, Matthew chapter 4. The devil looked at him, or took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it's written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. I mean, even the devil knows that Jesus could do this. Those are his words, right? I mean, why don't we go up on the temple mount, and you jump off, and then the angels that you have authority over, they'll come and save you. They realize that Jesus has the angels at his fingertips. We see Jesus even reference this, the garden. Remember the story of Jesus, and they had the Last Supper, and he went out to the garden to pray. And this just intense dialogue that Jesus is having with the Father. He looks at his disciples, and he says, hey, just, just stay here and wait while I go pray. And we see Jesus wrestling with God. We see him talking to the Father and we see him praying to the Father and he's crying out, God, you know, whatever, I, I, your will be done. If, if not, I mean, I'm cool with doing this another way, but if not, your will be done. He's wrestling with, with the Father. And as he's wrestling and, and, and the disciples are sleeping and everything else that happens in that story, well, we see the crowd come to arrest him. 
Recall that the crowd comes and they show up and, and Peter thought, whips out his sword and wants to cut off the ear. And, and, and Jesus says, no, why does he say no? Matthew chapter 26, Jesus replied, do what you came for, friend. The men stepped forward, they seized Jesus, they arrested him. With that, one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword. He drew it out, he struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Verse 52 says, put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Verse 53, do you not think I can call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen in this way? Jesus says to his disciples, I mean, they want to stop the arrest. That's just, that's just we, we strong men, we got our swords. I sharpened it last night. Look at this. It cut off his ear. Boom. We can do this. Jesus said it's not about getting out of this. Jesus' heart wasn't to escape what he was facing. Jesus' heart wasn't to get away from what, what, what he was facing. His heart was, guess what? I got to be arrested. This is what the scripture said would happen. In order for them to be fulfilled, this is what has to happen in this moment. Don't you think? All the angels, I calmed down from heaven. Let me put a, excuse me, pardon, cover your ears, a butt whooping on these guys right now. No problem. I mean, all the angels, 12 legions of angels, these guys don't stand a chance. But no. That's not what the scriptures say. That's not what my father has said. Again, in that wrestling, verse 39, where Jesus is wrestling with God, the heart of Jesus Christ, the heart that I think is important from the question on the cross that we wrestle with. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground. He prayed, my father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. But not as I will, but as you will. Jesus says, it's not about what's easiest. It's not about what I want. It's not about where I'm at. It's about the will of the Father. Jesus could have saved himself. It was not impossible for Jesus to come off the cross that day. It was not impossible for the angels to come down and tend to Jesus while he was on the cross. It was not impossible for, for him to speak and everyone to fall as dead if he chose to in that moment. Why don't you save yourself? They said, why don't you save yourself? Well, it wasn't because it was impossible. Quick discipleship. I know Walt, he's teaching a discipleship class once a month. If you want to come be a part, seems like it's going to be a great class. I've, I'm helping him some. He's coming up with most of his materials. So this might seem like a little refresher. The story of man, what scriptures had to be fulfilled? What happened in the Garden of Eden? God made Adam and Eve and he made them good, right? And Adam and Eve made a choice. That choice was disobedience to what God had said. That choice was sin. And through their actions and, and through what they did, what was perfect became imperfect. Because of brokenness, because of sin in this world. So what has happened 
from that moment on, from that moment on, we've been living in, in a sinful world. Because of sin, that brought separation from God. That's exactly what sin is. Someone says, question, what is sin? Sin is anything that separates you from God. Sin today may not be what you thought sin was yesterday, but if it's separating you from God, then you better check it. We live in a sinful world, and because of sin, we're separated from God. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a gap that's between us. So we need this word called forgiveness. Scripture says, every one of us, you, I, We've sinned and we've fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us. I've probably sinned this morning. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We all have a need for forgiveness. So what do we do? There was a promise in the Old Testament. How did they find forgiveness in the Old Testament? Hebrews chapter 9. I know I'm in the New Testament talking about the Old Testament. In fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood. For without the shedding of blood, there was no forgiveness. Because of sin, we need forgiveness. God's way of us finding forgiveness was through the shedding of blood. How would that happen in the Old Testament? In the Old Testament, once a year, the priest would make sacrifices. It had to be just a disgusting day. I mean, I can't imagine the slaughter uh, of everyone's uh, best animals all day long for the forgiveness of sin. But you know how long that forgiveness was good for? It was an imperfect sacrifice. It only covered one year worth of sin. So if you look in Hebrews chapter 9 and 10, that's kind of where a lot of the story of Jesus with regard to the Old Covenant are talked about, we start to see that the Scriptures needed to be fulfilled. The answer for forgiveness was not the old way. That was just a copy, is what it says in Hebrews chapter 9. It was just a, a reflection of what was coming. It was an imperfect example of what would be made perfect through Jesus Christ. That that sin offering that happened once a year, that, 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 that there could be an offering that would come that would be perfect. Think about Passover. Remember the story of Passover? I know I'm all over the place this morning. It's Easter. Let me do it. Passover, what happened? The Israelites were trying to escape from slavery in Egypt. And there's these plagues that happened. And God says, sacrifice a lamb and take the, the blood of the lamb and put on your doorpost. And when you put that blood, the sacrifice, the death angel will pass over your house. So you will no longer be... Uh, under the authority of the death angel. Basically, it will allow that to pass over. Again, the context that we have, the imperfect sacrifice that worked on the houses the one time. But every one of them died. What, what was? These were, these were temporary sacrifices. But in Hebrews chapter 9, if we read just a little bit of this chapter, verse 23... That's why the tabernacle and everything in it, which were copies of the things in heaven, had to be purified by the blood of animals. They were copies. The real things in heaven had to be purified for, with far better sacrifices than the blood of animals. For Christ did not enter a holy place made with human hands, which was only a copy of the true one in heaven. He entered into heaven itself to appear now before God on our behalf. He did not enter heaven to offer himself again and again like the high priest here on earth who entered the most holy place year after year. You see this? They were just temporary. This happened 
So they were, they were moments in time. Year after year, they had to go with the blood of an animal. Verse 26, if that had been necessary, Christ would have had to die again and again. He has appeared at the end of age to remove once for all time. I'm sorry. Uh, Christ would have had to die again and again ever since the world began. But now, once for all time, he has appeared at the end of the age to remove sin by his own death as a sacrifice. And just as each person is destined to die once after judgment comes, so also Christ was offered once for all as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again, but not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly awaiting. Jesus, save yourself. Come down off that cross. And Jesus, rather than responding with words, responds with action. And he doesn't do a thing. He stays on that cross. Why? That the scriptures might be fulfilled. Why? That the plan of God might come to pass. The temporary sacrifices, no more. No longer do we have to offer an animal every year. But now it's been made complete through Jesus Christ. Now sin has been defeated. It hasn't been defeated partially. It's been defeated wholly. The sacrifice, the covering for sin has come. The blood that was required to be shed for the sin that you did yesterday, the sin that you did today, and the sin that you'll do tomorrow was shed on that cross. Because it was a perfect sacrifice. Why didn't he come down? Why die? Why would he die? He died because of love. The only reason he died was because of love. Why did he die? Why not come off the cross? You're the king of the Jews. Yes, he was. You're the, you're the Messiah. Yes, he is. Why die? I got to imagine without saying it in his eyes, as he looks at the criminal when he asks that question, why, if you're the Messiah, why don't you come off the cross? Why don't you save yourselves and save us? I got to imagine all he saw in Jesus's eyes was the love that God has for his children. Why die? Because he loves. Why die? Because he loves us. You see, in Romans chapter 5, it says at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ, he died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we've now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? We've all recognized this next verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Why die? Because he loves you. Why die? In this moment, because of his love for you. John chapter 15, my command is this. Love each other as I loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down his life for his friends. Think about his love. In that moment on the cross, as they're hurling insults at him, as they're mocking 
him as if what he said is not true. As they're questioning the very motive of his heart. As, as they're looking at him and, and, and really taunting him by the whole challenge of why don't you come off the cross if you're, you are who you say you are. And in that moment, all he has is love in his eyes for his children. So a soldier says, Jesus, why don't you come down? He says, because of you. So, so a, a, a heckler in the crowd looks at him and says, aren't you the king of Jews? Why don't you call in the multitude of angels to, to deliver you from this moment? And he looks at them and he says, because I love you. A, a criminal is dying on a cross next to him. A justified death that he is facing. The criminal and, and the criminal looks at Jesus and says, why don't you save yourself? And why don't you save us? And he says, I am. The criminal answered his own question. The only way Jesus could save them, the only way Jesus could look at him and say, you have said a good thing today, you'll be with me in paradise, was to follow through with that moment on the cross. Why? Because of his love. Why? Save yourself from, from for, save yourself, save us. Why? I am. I am. Sin is being defeated through the cross of Jesus Christ. Sin has been defeated. He says in his last breath on that cross, it is finished. It is fulfilled. That which God promised. That which the scriptures talked about, they've been finished. They've been fulfilled. The imperfect is now perfect. It is finished. What is finished? The, the power of sin, the separation that sin has caused from the beginning of, of, of time, from when Adam and Eve made the mistake in the garden. Guess what was finished? The authority of sin in your life. We're no longer under the authority of sin and death. It's finished. I'm under the authority uh, of the Spirit of God. I'm under the authority of Jesus Christ. I am no longer under the authority of sin and death. It's finished. Ephesians chapter 1 says, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us. It's finished. The forgiveness of your sins is finished. Do you hear that? It's not about what you have to do tomorrow. It's not about what you have to do today. The forgiveness has been complete. We just receive it. It's finished. You don't have to find the way. You don't have to slaughter the animal. It's finished. It's complete. All we have to do is receive that's what's been done. It's finished. It's finished, he said. Why die? Because it's finished. The power of sin is finished. Why die? Because of the salvation of your soul. Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of one man, many... The many were made sinners. Also through the obedience of one man, many, the many, will be made righteous. What's happened through the cross? Why die? So you can be righteous. 
Why die? So you can be saved. Why die? So things can be made right with you and God. It's finished. Just as through the death of Adam, sin came into this world, through the death of Jesus Christ, redemption came. Salvation came. The the authority of sin was lost through that moment. It's finished. Love these verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. For the perishable must clothe itself with imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then a saying that is written will come true. The scriptures will be fulfilled. When was the perishable clothed with imperishable? When was the mortal clothed with immortality? Was that not what happened in the grave? Wasn't the Jesus who had died on the cross brought to life? All of a sudden, what was mortal? The death of man became the gift of of everlasting for every one of us. Immortality for us all. What happened in that moment? For in that moment, that which was mortal was closed with the immortal. That which was perishable, that which was dying, was closed with eternity. The redemption of Jesus Christ came about. Victory over sin and death. It says, death has been swallowed up in victory. It is finished. There is victory over death. Oh, death, where is your victory? Where, oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It is finished. Why die? Because of victory. Why die? So I can look at death and not be afraid. Yeah, I may not know what's coming. And it may make me uneasy because I'm not sure what, what my eternity looks like for certain. But I can look at death and know it cannot hold me down. I know that I will not stay in the grave. I know that I will be with Jesus Christ. I know that when I take my last breath on this earth, He'll look at me and say, Today you'll be with me in paradise. It is finished. Why die for the perfect plan of God to be revealed? Why die? He didn't just die for one, but he died for the many. He died for you. When that criminal on that cross asked him, why die? He said, I'm dying for Steve Mallory. I'm dying for for anyone, one of the many who will need the forgiveness of sin. Why die? Because of the redemption of man. Because God's will is that for all of us. Not one of us to die. Not one of us to be clothed with mortality. Not one of us to be clothed with with, with death, but to be clothed with life. Not one of us to live under the authority of sin anymore. We don't have to live there. Man, we do. We don't have to live under the authority of sin anymore. You don't have to live there. Scripture said it was defeated. He said he gave us victory. We're more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. You don't have to live under the authority of sin anymore. You don't have to live under the authority of death anymore. We're set free from that. Why? Because of the profession of Jesus Christ. Scriptures say if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. You have the fullness of the promise of the cross. We pray it. We say it. But do we live it? Why die? 
This morning we're going to prepare for communion. And I, and I just wanted to end the service. I love it that we can end the service with this promise. Jesus knew we had to remember the cross. He knew we needed to be reminded about what was accomplished on the cross. And as we look at these elements, we're going to talk about bread and we're going to talk about a cup. The cup is this is the cup of the new covenant. That's the promise that comes through Jesus Christ. The promise that comes not just through Jesus Christ, but through the blood of Jesus Christ that had to be shed for the remission of our sins. That was the way. We, we sang a song. It talked about the veil has been torn. Do you know what the veil was? That was just another separation from the Holy of Holies and, and man. The presence of God and mankind. He said the veil has been torn. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. We have a way to Him now. And we can live in that promise. You guys come. And again, just so you don't say, what am I supposed to do? Just hold the cup and the bread until I read some scripture and we'll take them together corporately. Easter, we remember the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This morning, as we looked at the Word of God, the question, why die? I hope that we're reminded this may not have been new information. This may not have been... There may be something you said, I've heard that before, but there's a reason God just says stop. There's a reason Jesus gives us the instruction to take communion and do it in remembrance because sometimes we need to be reminded of the simplicity. Sometimes we need to be reminded about the promise that we were aware of. You know, we wear rings on our hands. Sometimes it's got to remind me of the promise I made to my wife. Sometimes I may not like her, but I've got to remember the promise that's there. Sometimes I have to be reminded about the love that I felt and the love that I feel, but I'm not feeling it right now. And if we're not intentional about reminding ourselves, guess what we do? We forget. This morning as we celebrate Easter together, as we look at this Together, I hope that we can remember. I hope that we don't forget. This is what he's done. Why did he die? As you hold the cup this morning, as you hold the, the bread this morning, why was his body broken? Why did, did, did he die on a cross? He did it. As you're looking at that cup, I hope it looks back at you that he's saying, I did this for you. But I talked about the, 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 the value of forgiveness and the, the reality that forgiveness has come. But if we don't receive it, what good is it? I can have $100 bills in my wallet with your name on it, but if you don't receive it, go try and spend it. Right? This morning as we partake, I want it to be an active confession, an active profession that Jesus Christ is Lord. I want it to be an active engagement that this is who God is and this is what He's done for me. And as I receive these, I'm professing, I'm proclaiming, this is what God has done. This is who God is. The promise that Jesus Christ died for me.
Participating, we're engaging in the promise that God gave us. Doing this in remembrance, reminding ourselves, reminding maybe sin in our life, you've been defeated. Reminding sickness in our life, you've been defeated. Reminding ourselves of the promise that was accomplished through the cross. Scripture says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. When he broke it, he said, He'd given thanks and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He broke it. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. God, we thank you for the broken body of Jesus Christ. We thank you that every pain he was willing to endure... But at no moment did he say, it is enough. But at no moment did he say, I can't take anymore. He allowed himself to be broken for me. He allowed himself to be broken so that we could be made whole. We receive that in Jesus' name. Let us partake. It says in the same way after supper, he took a cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Whenever you drink it, but whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until it comes. I want to proclaim the Lord's death. Why die 
I'm proclaiming the Lord's death because through that moment, I was made a conqueror. Through that moment, I was forgiven. Through that moment, sin was defeated. And I will proclaim the death of Jesus Christ. Amen? Lord, we thank you for your death. We thank you for what was accomplished. We thank you that when they asked the question, you saved them. We thank you that when they asked the question, you showed your love. We thank you, God, for the cross of Jesus Christ. And that through that cross that we might have life, through that cross that we might have forgiveness, through that cross that we might have the assurance of eternity, the promise of the resurrection, the promise that we will be with Him forever. This morning we partake, we participate, we proclaim that promise. Let us partake. died, but he rose. Amen. That's what we celebrate this the promise of life eternity. The Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you and grant you his peace. And may you proclaim his death and resurrection. May you proclaim the promise that he died because of his love for you. Amen. Be blessed.